Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love, I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer. And we have a great question today that I think is, is probably one of those questions that if you're like me, you wouldn't think about asking until someone else asks it and then you, you realize how important of a question it is. Um, so the question today is, is Christianity just wishful thinking? So, J.D., what do you think? Is Christianity just wishful thinking? Is it just a fairy tale? Well, Matt, let me let the cat out of the bag on this one early. What do you think I'm going to say to this? Is Christianity just wishful thinking? I don't think any of our listeners are like, what's he going to say? <laughs> no. So let me let me try to unpack why, because actually I have been talking with somebody recently and who, who actually wants to believe, but 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 secretly, I think she, well, she just says this, I, I keep being afraid that that this is just wishful thinking. It's pie in the sky and it's it's a fairy tale. Um, so can't we just write Christianity up as just yet another, you know, kind of happy ending? I don't want to embrace, like Nietzsche said, the despair of the universe. And so as a coward, I, you know, find a fairy tale to comfort me so that when things bad things happen, I, you know, it'll be okay. Um, is that really when it's all said and done and we take off all the the, the doctrines, that, that really is where it comes from. And I think you can answer pretty definitively that that is not what's at work in the Christian message. Even if you don't think the Christian message is true, I don't think you could say that it was just the product of wishful thinking. I mean, a few things. One, um, some of its greatest proponents, like Paul, they did not want it to be true. Um, you know, I mean, Paul wanted it not to be true. He was confronted by it with evidence he felt like he could not deny. Um, it, his life was going so well. Um, he was thriving and he was succeeding in all the ways that mattered to him. And he called himself a Jew of the Jews, which meant like he was, um, everything was, was, was on point for him. Um, but it was this resurrection of Christ that made him have to rethink everything. And he was confronted with that kind of evidence. A lot of times people think that the early apostles outside of Paul, they're like, well, of course they wanted Jesus to resurrect from the dead and they were all expecting it. And so it, they just kind of convinced themselves that it happened. Um, I don't have time to really go into this deeply here, but N.T. Wright's book, The Resurrection of the Son of God, explains how um, the idea of a resurrected Messiah was not part of the Jewish hope. They, 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 they thought about a, a Jewish Messiah that would come and reign and um, subdue their Roman enemies. This was a major problem for the disciples that Jesus didn't fulfill these things. And so the idea that Jesus had risen from the dead was something that they were rather slow to believe. That's how all the gospel narratives read. Uh, you know, you find that the disciples, they they know that people don't come back from the dead. Sometimes we think, well, people back then were kind of old, gullible, and stupid, but they were, that's not true. That's sort of a an arrogance that we have about people thinking that they were just different than we were. They they knew that these things didn't happen, and some of them had to be really convinced. Um, then they would go to their deaths, uh, you know, almost every single one of them martyred for just saying, we will not back off of this claim, even though it, it's not getting us any power or prestige or uh, not getting us any any money or um, sexual conquest. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I've had people say to me like, well, you know, lots of people throughout history have told religious lies. Sometimes they know them to be a lie. Isn't that what the apostles are doing? Um, well, I mean, whenever somebody does that throughout history, there's always something they're gaining by it. They gain power. They gain prestige. They, they have a harem of women that they can sexually subjugate. None of those things were true um, for the apostles. They, they went to their deaths um, saying with nothing to gain. I mean, the only thing they had to gain was the favor of God and the salvation of people, if it were true. If they knew it was a lie, then 
you know, when they appeared before God and he said, you made all this up, that's, there's nothing for them to gain there. Uh, I think of Blaise Pascal who says, I always believe witnesses who are willing to have their throats cut and have nothing to gain for it. And I think that's what you see in those early Christians. Um, I would encourage you to press into N.T. Wright's uh, Resurrection of the Son of God if you're really interested in this, because he shows you that it really is not um, the product of wishful thinking. It's not, um, it's not something that could have come across by mass delusion. The best explanation um, that we have for why the early church was unanimous in that Jesus had risen from the dead, he said, is because Jesus had risen from the dead. Somebody says, well, maybe maybe we just all want it to be true, and that's why we misconstrue evidence. You're not the Apostle Paul. We don't really know what all happened back then. Maybe you got a lot of things that were lost, and and you know the apostles, we're not even sure if they died. Maybe, maybe it's just it's it's taken root and been perpetuated by um, us all wanting to be true. I mean, well, let me just say, I, yeah, I can't deny there is a certain appeal to it being true. The despair you have to face if you have to look death in the face is, yes, that's that's real. But I mean, there's a lot of things that are very inconvenient about it. The say no, you know, dying to your, your flesh, radically giving away your money. You know, these are things are not things that you come easy. I mean, Paul says, if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all people most miserable. If you're, if you're pursuing Jesus just for the earthly benefits and rewards and the, and the sense of peace, Paul says that, what a joke. The only way this makes sense is if he actually raised from the dead. But yes, there's a deep part of me that, that wants this to be true. Um, C.S. Lewis actually turned that on its head and he said, why do you think that's true? Why do you think that's um, true of you? Uh, he talked about the um, you know every fairy tale, um, all these hero stories, a lot of them follow an arc. And the arc is actually goes back to the what he calls the original myth. And by myth, he doesn't mean like something that's untrue, but the original way that God set up the story, it, it, it resonates so deeply in our heart. We end up finding that reflected in the stories that we like to tell to our kids and entertain ourselves with. In fact, let me just quote him directly. C.S. Lewis says that all of mankind's myths and fairy tales are expressions of a yearning deep in our hearts. This is the case not because our hearts are making it up, but because they are hungering for the very thing that they were created for. Deep down, we yearn we yearn for the hero that comes and saves the unlovely and the unlikely. Whether you're talking about Beauty and the Beast or the Return of the King and the Lord of the Rings or even Harry Potter, you know, with this idea that there's a chosen one who is able to vanquish evil on our behalf and we all get to share in his victory. Uh, to, to, to lesser and greater degrees, there's something where we want, um, we want, we want pure goodness and transcendent goodness, heroic goodness that comes after the unlikely and the humble to, um, to, to save them. Um, and I think that's because it, it, it resonates with, with how we're created. And so the fact that we invent other fairy tales, like C.S. Lewis says, I think is an indication that we're, those actually ring true to, to how God, God fashioned us. Let me close with this. There's a, a guy named Francis Spufford who wrote a book called Unapologetic. Why, despite everything, Christianity can still make surprising emotional sense. Um, it's a very unusual apologetic book. Doesn't do your classic, you know, reasons for the resurrection or arguments for the existence of God, um, or even showing you how Christianity transforms society. He just he helps you unpack what's in your heart and shows you that Christianity makes emotional sense. One of the things he says is when the atheist bus comes by and tells you there's no God and that you should stop worrying and enjoy your life. That slogan, he said, is not just bitterly inappropriate in mood. What it means, if it's true, is that anybody who isn't enjoying themselves is entirely on their own. Um, that's not enjoying your life. I mean, if I guess that's enjoying your life if everything's going awesome. 
But if it's not going awesome, that's just nothing but despair. Okay, let me do that preacher thing where I say I'm going to close with one thing and then actually close again a second time. Um, this time for real, I'm going to close. Um, Tim Keller says, he's he's the one that I heard first say, whether or not the resurrection is true, you should want it be, to be true. And he, he, um, he says, imagine you got an official letter in the mail saying that a distant relative that you didn't know, that you didn't know had died and left you millions of dollars. If you got that letter in the mail, honestly, you'd probably be skeptical. I mean, why would somebody that you haven't spoken to ever or in years that you barely know, why would they leave you all that money, millions of dollars? But you would at least look into it. If you got a certified letter, you would at least go look into it and you would hope that it's true. That's how the apostle Paul assumes that you and I will approach this question of the resurrection. Yes, there is lots of questions that are raised and people ask lots of questions, but 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 anybody who is open-minded and honest will say, there's something significant. There's something genuinely curious. Look at all these odd things that happened in the first century. Look at the, the testimonies, the accounts, look at the transformation. You should look into this. And yes, you should want it to be true. And the greatest news that I've found is that it is true. And I think if you look into it, you'll find that as well. All right. Well, thanks so much, JD. I know that's uh, helpful for me and, and probably helpful for other people that are thinking through that question or, or talking to people that are thinking through that question. So thanks so much. Um, if you want more from Pastor JD, you can get all of his podcasts, and articles, and blogs, and all kinds of stuff at his website, jdgreer.com. And then you can follow him on social media as well. And we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything.